Welcome back to the Nick Finzer Audio Experience. Today we are diving into a Q&A number 74. This is transcribing whole records versus parts of records. We're talking about the importance of the how more than the what. And then uh, we do a little bit of talking about do you feel like you play like you talk? The connection between your personality and your performance, your connection between your linguistic style and your playing style, all that sort of thing. This is, uh, again, a throwback to one of our Ask Nick Q&As. They are coming back. We will be recording new episodes of the Q&A just a little less frequently than we were during the pandemic. About once a month, we'll be doing those Q&As. We can't wait to share those with you. So thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll catch you in the next one. Let's see what's happening. So it's July 9th. Next week will be uh, coming live. I'm going to see if I can do it live from the the Trombone Festival. Uh, We'll be in uh, Columbus, Georgia for the International Trombone Festival. Have a good time there. I'm playing on Friday there with uh, Jennifer Wharton. Jack is listening. Jack Courtright is one of the finalists for the J.J. Johnson competition. And then we have the Carl Fontana competition. And so I'll see a bunch of you there, I'm sure. And for Thursday night, I'm hosting the jam session playing some tunes and then on friday we'll have those jazz competitions and jennifer wharton's recital and then i'm giving two clinics on saturday we'll be giving a warm-up clinic and a improvisation clinic so we're going to talk about those two things but hopefully we'll have some announcements to make about jazz trombone day i have my jazz trombone day t-shirt on today so hopefully we'll have some announcements about that happening unt in november uh, hopefully going back to an in-person event a hybrid event so you can still join if you're anywhere in the world of course and uh, also come and hang out with us at UNT if you'd like. The other thing I want to talk about is I am um, launching a new book, and I'm going to have some pre-launch copies available for sale through duets. So I wrote a duet book, and it's duets that feature improvisation. So the duets all are for two trombones. So instead of being like trombone and rhythm section duets, they're trombone duets that are um, all about having improvisation is an essential element to them talking about jazz language and, and all this kind of thing so uh there's 11 duets in the book and it's everything from blues and tunes and stuff and some original duets We're, i want to try to record some of those duets with people next week so if you're going to be around at itf I want, let me know and i want to get together and play some play some of those duets and uh, record some of them to launch on the youtube channel and all, all of the different kinds of things like that so if you're going to be around definitely um say hello say what's up and send me a message so we can find a time and let's let's play let's play some duets will you take your band on tour again yes we're booking some get dates right now where should we go uh, we just rebooked some stuff we're kind of working on the northeast right now so we're doing that working on some stuff internationally for next year but things are coming back we're gonna get the band back on the road we got dates to reschedule in nashville still uh, in the southeast chicago where do you like to see you, you want to should we go back to the showcase or somewhere else. I saw some people like uh, Constellation. Is that what it is? So we'll try to get some back to Chicago. So we're gonna try to do the uh, we're gonna try to do the cast of characters music, but also um, working on some new music for uh, some upcoming projects that I can't really speak about. But do you have a hard time not deep diving into someone listening to only one album, transcribing only one solo? No. I just decide what I want to do, whatever that might be, and then I just do that. So if it's usually for me at this point, if I'm trying to. It's more like conceptual, like I'm trying to dig into a concept. So that might be different players, you know. It's not necessarily going to be one player. So I would transcribe different things to for different reasons, you know. I try to transcribe things that have a purpose, like 
uh, educationally or like concept wise, or I need to learn certain vocabulary or I need to learn certain um, lines, licks, language, something like that. So all of that stuff is uh, relevant. Are you more impressed by a sideman who always sounds like themselves, no matter the context, or a sideman who sounds different in each band? Impressed is kind of a loaded word, I suppose. I don't know if I'm impressed. I think I think it's a combination of both. If you can sound like yourself while you're playing the context of the music is, I suppose, the most impressive because I really don't like people that don't play the context of the music. For example, um, they just play like whatever they want over like an early jazz tune. And it's like, that's not, that doesn't fit. Like, so you always got to play the context of the music to me. I would say that you have to combine the two things together. If you can sound like yourself, no matter the context and no matter the style, that is interesting. You know, like, can you still keep your vibe and keep your language so clear that uh, you can be identified via your sound and language, feel, all that stuff? Oh, so Kevin has a question around the get ready routine. So I've been posting throughout the month here. I've been trying to do it every day. It's it's not necessarily like only a warm-up routine, the Get Ready. Um, get Ready is a book that I published two years ago now. It came out at the ITF a couple, two years ago. Um, it's like if you do it all back to back to back, it takes like 17 and a half minutes or something. So it's like a 20-minute warm-up. But it's, it's kind of more of like a routine than it is a warm-up in that it's not only fundamentals it's going to kind of push you for me i'm not really viewing it so much as like only a only a warm-up kind of thing it's, it's it's a routine that i want to go through that hits flexibility hits sound it hits intonation it hits um, doing flexibility in fourths and fifths it hits um, doing pedal the pedal register connecting the pedal register um, like a lot of things um, and it's been good i feel more warmed up more quickly uh, after having done it i've done it nine or ten days now this month and it's like it's it's a building building found foundation a strong foundation um and i really think it is doing that for me for sure i'm gonna keep doing it um and see what happens so if you if you want to check that out you can get that um in my store or go to youtube if you're already on youtube and you can find play alongs and an instructional video and a description all there and you can just check it out play along i explain the exercises put them on the screen and all that stuff so It'd be great if you bought the book, but it's also for free on uh, on the internet. And all the playlongs are on Spotify, so you can just go find them. Favorite contrafact standard. We were just working on it in a lesson. We were working on fried bananas. I like that one. It's fun. And I like playing Donnelly. I like I like a lot of the monk tunes that are, you know, based on standards, right? In Walked Bud, that's Blue Skies, right? When you write your charts, do you prefer jazz fonts like Ink Pantu, or do you prefer more? So I, yeah, I hate jazz fonts, and I hate the jazz font for the um, chord change things, and I, it looks so dumb to me. So I use a more classic font. Slowly over the years, I've transitioned all the fonts away. I played some gigs with some musicians who yelled at me for having chord symbols be too small. So now, like, I have jumbo chord symbols on my music, and. Um, I'm, so, I'm always trying to tweak it. I'm not like an expert engraver. I think I'll probably just hire my friend Ryan to uh, do all the engraving soon. But he uses the jazz font, so I'm going to have to uh, get him to not. It's like Comic Sans, you know? Would you ever make a music video to promote a single or an album? Yes, I've been thinking about more ways to do that. Right, that isn't just a live recording. Yes, so that's the short answer is yes. I've been interested in trying to figure out more ways to do that, so I'm going to try to keep on... Um, figuring out a way to do that. But yeah, if you can make videos that aren't just studio videos, it's gonna go, go better for you. 
um, on the internet because that's more interesting to watch. So I highly would recommend it for sure. Uh, if you got called a gig at the exact same time by Brian Blade and Christian McBride, which gig would you take? What about Joshua Redman or Chris Potter? Of course, that's what would happen too. Is that any of you who work in the music world know that everyone calls for the same date and it's always at the same time and you can't ever, anytime, it's like it always comes in pairs and you can't do both and you got to make those decisions. Well, Joshua Redman or Chris Potter, I would say that so hard. I guess Joshua Redman, if I had to pick... I was obsessed with his music. I mean, I was obsessed with Chris Potter too. See, I feel like I could sort of hang with Josh Redman and contribute musically. I feel like with Chris Potter, I would just get annihilated. That's like a little bit of protectionism there to save myself from myself, potentially. The McBride or Brian Blade. I guess in this moment, I would have to say I would pick Brian Blade only because I've never played with him and I would like to. McBride, I've done some rehearsals with the big band and stuff and been around. Um... So I suppose from that from that view that I would I would pick that. Taylor says, "Have you ever thought of doing a series like how Ben Wendell did Standards with Friends?" Yes, I did that before Ben Wendell did that. Um, starting in 2014, I did a du duos every week for about 50 episodes. You can find them on my YouTube channel if you didn't know. And so I got together with all different people in New York and we played tunes. My favorite favorite piano player? Oh, that's a hard one. It's the, probably either Chick. Chick Corea or Herbie Hancock? Probably Herbie Hancock. Well, no. Uh, if, yeah, Herbie, I guess, if I had to pick one. But I love Chick Corea, and I love his music. I've done both. I've done projects of both of their music. That's another thing that's on YouTube if you want to check it out. I did a project of um, most of Now He Sings, Now He Sobs, and I did a project of most of Speak Like a Child, those two records, one Chick and one Herbie. Eventually, I get in the studio and record those. Uh, you said jazz is about the how. Would you say the how is even more important than the what? Yes, how you play the notes is more important than what notes you play because it has to feel like jazz, has to swing, like all of those things, you know? Like uh, if it doesn't have the right feeling, it's not going to feel like jazz. Because if I, if I play um, Confirmation, but I play it totally straight like it's a classical etude, it doesn't sound like it anymore. It doesn't sound like jazz anymore. So yeah, the how is always more important than the what. You can always fix the notes, you know? Like you can always get more hip or you can always like play more different substitutions and all that kind of stuff, more advanced language, all of that kind of stuff. But you can't uh, get rid of that feeling, a feeling of swing, you know? I've heard older musicians say one should transcribe the whole record. Others say learn solos from as many different records. Others say stay focused on one artist. Do you have a stance? And if so, why? I think you have to do different things at different times. I think it's important to know whole records that you like. Like, for example... I love JJ in person. I know the whole record. The eminent JJ ones, I don't like them as much as I like the other one. And so you, I mean, it's both, you know, like it's never most, the answer to most questions is like, it's not one or the other. It's probably both. If you want, if you like the whole record, then transcribe the whole record. But if you don't, if you like mo some of the tunes, there's just like, we were talking about this maybe last week or two weeks ago. It's like, um, there's not enough time for you to learn the entire world of music. It's just impossible. You're never going to do it. There's not enough time to listen to it all, let alone learn it, learn it all, like transcribe it all. You have to be, I think, you have to deep dive on a few things really, really well. Five to 10 people, super deep dive, get as much as you can out of the records. You know, people would buy one record at a time and go deep because that's all they had, right? So when you talk to musicians that like obsessed over one record, of course they knew the whole record because they didn't have another record to listen to. But you, Abel, and everyone else that's watching, it's like we have unlimited records to listen to and watch. 
at all times. So it's like you have to make a decision at some point. Like, what are you going to check out? How can you go deep? I wouldn't worry about if you don't transcribe every record uh, all the way through, you know. But there's some records you should know all the way through, the ones that you love. And that's what's going to make you able, able, and not me. Because we're not going to have the same favorite records. And so we're not going to have the same language kind of in our ears at all times, you know. Uh, which is a big deal. And that's what, like, creates that. Jack, he's transcribing a ton of Dave Holland, and that's going to inform him differently than DJ, who's on here, who's transcribing and listening to the other stuff, right? Eastman Wind Ensemble wants to commission a piece for jazz trombone and Wind Ensemble for you to play. You get to pick the composer. Who do you choose? If he's still alive, I'll choose Wayne Shorter at that time in the future. If it's right now, I'll, I'll get Wayne to write it. Uh, and if Wayne wasn't an option, then Herbie. And I would say Chick. Chick was apparently working on a... Um, I don't know if he finished it, but for, for Joe Alessi, he was writing something I heard um, for Joe Alessi. So I don't know if it's true. But what's your most memorable musical moment? Playing with Lincoln Center Band and being scared, crazy scared. Ever tried a screw bell and how was the experience? Yes, they're heavier, which is nice. Um, okay, so now I need all of you to help me out with this exact question. I need you to go. I so okay. I'll give you the context first. So if you're going to be at ITF, definitely go to the go to the um, Con Selmer booth, and um, tell them that you want the three B plus with the screw bell. Because I've been talking to them about making the three B bus plus with the screw bell for two years, maybe three years, probably three years, uh, and they need to hear it from more people than just me. So if you can tell them, you could also tell them on Instagram. But yeah, I have and. The best part is that they're smaller and that they'll fit into the um, overhead bin a little bit better. Do you feel like you play like you talk? I don't know. Someone else would have to tell me. I don't think so. You, one tends to play their personality, though. So I don't know. Somebody would have to tell me if I play like I talk. Because I feel like I talk too fast and disorganized. Maybe that's how I play. You'll have to tell me. Nick has a low voice but can play high notes. Yeah, you know, it's always been hard. Like, when I was studying with Wycliffe, um, he would always want me to uh, to sing, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm into the singing thing. But, like, I think it's important to connect, you know, your ear to your horn and sing. Like, I, vocalizing is very important. But, like, he would always sing these really high notes, and I could never really sing them. And I still can't, and I've never been able to develop my falsetto into a point where I can sing, like, a high B-flat or a high D or something. Um, I can't definitely can't do it on command, so... There's that as well. Who are some players that you think bridge the gap between bebop people like JJ and modern people like Marshall? Do you know Julian Priester? Um, and then there's all the cats that were playing in the 70s and the 80s, like Steve Teray, and people like Steve Davis, and people like uh, Frank Lacey, and people like Robin Eubanks, and people like Andre Hayward, and I mean, even Wycliffe to an extent. And like, because those guys are the next generation. And there's lots of others that you might not know about. Um, that played in big bands and like John, there's people like John Fedchuk and there's people uh, like that gen that generation, Michael Davis, you know, there's a lot of people that are in that kind of between Marshall and J.J. Johnson. Marshall is like 10 years older than me, eight years older than me. So to me, like Marshall and Ryan Keberle and Michael Deese are like the next generation older than me. And then beyond them is like the guys that we all went to uh, for te to, for our teachers like like Wycliffe, like Teray, like Steve Davis, and then they learned from JJ and Curtis. So I guess that's the that's the bridge, 
you know, Steve Davis and Robin Eubanks both played in Blakey's band after Curtis. Uh, but, but Julian Priester was playing a lot of stuff like in the 70s and Gretchen Moncour and uh, playing with Herbie and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's, there's cats. Uh, if you got commissioned to write a piece for RTA for whatever type of trombone ensemble you want, what type of song would you compose? Uh, I would I would compose like a really like it would be a ballad and would involve me blowing over like changes that are like cause really really that sound good on trombone you know because trombone can have really great voicings you know trombone sound really good together so it would be something where it would be like a, a ballad but maybe it would build into be something more intense but it would be I would want to do it for if it was especially if it was for ITF it would be like for like fifty trombones or that's maybe too many but like at least like a double choir like so like at least 16 you know be like eight parts doubled or something like that but you don't really need more than eight voices anyway in your opinion what's a really underrated big band record duke ellington his whole catalog is underrated cats don't want to listen to it and back then it was more it was less albums more more short stuff right but i think that his suites are um his suites are underrated i like the far east suite i like the new orleans suite such sweet thunder suite and i just think in general that people don't listen to it enough because he he spans the entire history from early jazz to the 70s and, and not so not the entire jazz history but he was part of all of those changes from from early jazz and the cotton club vibe to today you know everything from that he wrote in the 60s and 70s sounds like it could have been written today uh, in my opinion and he wrote for people and featured people which is an amazing thing to do and not just write for trombone in general and stuff like that so that's just stuff that i really think is important but in general i think big band is overrated i think great music for large ensemble is great just to be clear but i think that the idea of big band can be can be overrated all right i think i'm going to wrap it up for today so next week next friday we'll be live at the itf so stay tuned for that watch out if you want to uh, record some duets let me know uh, I'm put, getting that project together. You have to play trombone, unfortunately. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for hanging out. I hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all real soon.